you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. We will never forget this. Hopefully with joy in our hearts. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone. And it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Let the celebration begin. The Around the NFL podcast does not advertise on other podcasts. Welcome back to a very special edition of the Around the NFL podcast from U.S. Bank Stadium Super Bowl 52. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a stadium filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, hey. Oh, oh, oh. Nondescript afternoon here. Oh, yeah. That was, of course, Merrill Reese and Mike Quick with the call. It's 1245 in the morning. This is no afternoon. My <laughs> I feel like we've been here for three years, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the final call of Super Bowl 52. The Philadelphia Eagles, for the first time in their franchise history, are Super Bowl champions, a 41 41- to 33 win over the New England Patriots in one of the greatest shootouts, Greg. And how you doing, by the way, Greg? I'm doing good. Okay, it's, all, it's actually much nicer to cover this to cover the game professionally and just be busy and kind of be here live. If you're at home, I would be right. miserable. What I was going to say was in one of the not just greatest shootouts in Super Bowl history or playoff history, but professional football. History, a game where defenses did not show up to play until one of the defenses made a play that helped seal the game. This is a rollicking game. It's like a seven-on-seven drill for both teams. We were on Sky Sports, Wes and I, and the first thing they were asking, like, how do you assess this 
<laughs> performance, just back and forth ping pong. And to me, it was like two drunk cousins playing Madden and like literally scrapping <laughs> any element of defense. It's and like no punting. No, I mean, yeah. there was literally no punt by the Patriots the entire game. There were so many oddities about this game. It well, was incredible. There, there was not a stop in the second half other than that Brandon Graham forced fumble. Every other possession and the end of the game that the Patriots couldn't come up with, every other possession was a touchdown. And in a game where there was so there was so little separating these two teams because the offenses just absolutely embarrassed both of the defenses overall, there were just little kind of game management moments where the Eagles were better. The Eagles closed out the first half. Uh, with a touchdown, which has kind of been the Patriots' move. The Patriots gave away more points on special teams than the Eagles, who had their own problems on special teams as well. But the Patriots are the ones that gave away more points. And unlike third and fourth down, a lot of the plays Nick Foles made were just money plays. Maybe that's why it's not hitting me as hard right now, because I honestly think... Like, he just made those plays, and the receivers made those plays. It took incredible plays on drive after drive and third down and fourth down after fourth down for them to come out on top. Yeah. I, the, the mistakes from the Patriots end, Brady drops the pass when he goes out as a wide receiver on third down. Uh, he scrambles ill-advisedly at the end of the half, mm. taking away a chance maybe for a field goal drive. The end of the first half, yeah. Yeah. Chris Hogan drops a pass late in the game. Uh, Brandon Cook's lack of peri- peripheral vision knocked him out of the game because he didn't see Malcolm Jenkins coming. That You have to be able to see that player coming. But I mean, on the there were mistakes side, all over. On the flip side, the Eagles sort of had done what they'd done all year. Incredibly daring do going forward on fourth and one at one point, which didn't even seem that unusual for them because that's who they are this year. And just, I thought that they, they, they pushed New England's defense Did you say around. Daring do? A little bit of daring do. A <laughs> little bit of that. It's like one, it's 1246. New words are coming and out, old phrases. No, listen, the Patriots didn't execute the way you would expect in this game. And even at the end of the game, and we'll get to it, when, when everyone and their brother and their sister uh, believed that Tom Brady was going to just lead him down the field, and it didn't happen. But Nick Foles, to me, is the story of this game beyond anything else. Nick Foles, who was positively mundane uh, in each of his first uh, or many of his uh, starts to start after he replaced Carson Wentz. He he played well against the Giants, and then he kind of went in the tank uh, for three weeks, and he was okay to good, depending what you think, in the Falcons game, and then lights out an NFC title game and a Super Bowl performance, and he was awarded with an MVP. Although I didn't see a car as we looked down on the field. I guess they don't give away a car to the MVP anymore. I mean, I can, he's going to be able to have a yeah. car, use of a car I, if he needs Nick something. Foles, what he did these past three weeks <laughs> in these Uber two games around. was remarkable. Like, he played... I, I wouldn't say he, he was better than Tom Brady today because pr- Brady was... Tremendous as he always is at, on the stage, but he he went punch for punch with the greatest quarterback ever. Who saw that coming? When I talked to John Filippo, the quarterback coach for the Eagles, and this was off the record, but at the end of the conversation, I was just basically he talked a little bit about Foles. He's like, Foles is such a high character guy. We love Nick Foles. He's just such an such a guy that everyone believes in, and so. It's, that's great, the person. But then he said, no, no, the player. He said, this team is totally bought into what Nick Foles had done over the past couple weeks. He said, we are going to beat <laughs> New England. He was ultra confident. And this Eagles team all week long expressed total confidence in their quarterback and in themselves. It op- nearly became the first Super Bowl in history with zero sacks. 
I mean, it's one of the. You had to wait till the last three minutes for that to happen, and it changed this game. It's one of the best quarterback performances in a Super Bowl period. You don't need a qualifier that it was Nick Foles or and, and Tom Brady was great in this game too. Mm. I'm sure there's some plays he would take back, but he had 505 yards against a great defense. So that's that's not the point. The point is he had low percentage throws. Nick Foles did. I mean, throws that were not easy. I'm thinking about. The play to Aguilar on their final drive where he's on the run. There's a couple different plays where he threw it on a dime on the sideline. Think about the touchdown passes. The throw to Jeffrey was a very difficult throw. The throw to Clement, which I think is, I mean, there's so many big that was plays. Beautiful. But that's a play that's on third and six. It's a turkey hole shot, as John Gruden would say. The safety's coming over. You need to have basically every skill that a quarterback needs to have is on that throw. And he puts it right on the money. And his receivers came through and made great plays for him. They did. And I thought it was a little bit of psychological warfare after Brady wide open dropped that pass that that we mentioned. (laughs) That you turn around and have Nick Foles score on a receiving. (laughs) He caught a touchdown. Yeah, he was out of his mind in this game. He, He showed up to play. I think... The, the, the Eagles, they deserve so much credit. An underdog three weeks in a row in the playoffs. And I was speaking to a sparrow at our beautiful hotel. And by the way, we crushed the over at oh. TGI Fridays. It, it was close, but then Friday yeah. turned into Saturday, and it was the contest was well, it was left in tatters. We, we had a terrific meetup with our listeners, thanks to everyone that, that was came awesome. by. And I think... You know, the numbers, when you look at the box score, it won't say that I had, you know, necessarily a huge impact. But I you think, were basically Malcolm Butler. But I think, no, I, that's not true. I think, I think the, that, would, that would hurt, Greg. The emotional, <laughs> the emotional lift that I gave the team on Friday night, because frankly, I put in more hours at that uh, tweet up th- than anybody else uh, from beginning to end uh, carrying this is- w- one unnamed person out of the bar. I'm saying I was there, and I'm just <laughs> this, saying this the, narrative is true. This is, the inspiration this is. that I gave everyone from beginning to it end. Is definitely, it was definitely a quantity over quality scenario for you, Greg, but we do appreciate and, your length And like stay. Malcolm Butler, who no-showed Sunday, Greg no-showed Saturday night. So it all, it all evened I out. I didn't know Saturday night was a second part of it. No, we, you were, you were we had, like... We had Patriots friends from all over uh, Wilbraham, Massachusetts, Minichog Regional. We're out to dinner. Where would you rather be than TGI Fridays yeah. in the world? Mixed with your glory, <laughs> there was certainly an aspect of heel turn to... You know, we, we were there quietly working on this over all week and you kind of just <laughs> left us hanging and then swooped in, I knew. Swooped in when, the, when the party was happening I and we get it. I know. said the over-under, the second it went up, I said there's no problem, that thing's going over. You, hey, <laughs> wait, you're, you had a little bit of blood in your hands at the over-under too, Mark. In what way? A little bit of a late arrival. Some people were grumbling. No, the here's the thing. I showed up on time. I had a good friend, and you met him to last night. Up. He brought his baby to the meetup and realized that the scene was a bit too chaotic <laughs> for a baby. So I spent some quality time with him and his family, and then he returned last night to help with the over. So, so my, what I was going to say was, so yeah, thank you everybody that came out. It was great. Uh, we even met a dude that's seven foot three. That is awesome. Just to, to get a seven-footer in your fan base, that's, that's big. At one point, him standing next to like a, 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 a much shorter... Patriots fan and not Greg. It's separate, a different yeah. person. So. so one of the other uh, people that uh, we converse with around the, in the NFL football cognoscenti, a sparrow I'll call him, told me that a prominent figure within the, uh, within the Eagles uh, expressed utter, total confidence that the Eagles would put up 40 on the Patriots and they did just that. They, this team was confident going into this game, and they played that way. So let's now kind of go through the game um, quarter by quarter. Maybe we'll touch on JT's halftime show as well, uh, and uh, we'll catch up on our, our props. 
uh, Super Bowl props that we made, how, how we all did. But let's start with the first quarter, and the Patriots win the, win the toss. They uh, elect, elect to receive uh, in the second half, as they like to do. But the Eagles, right away, Wes, did exactly what, what they wanted to do, and they probably would have, if they were, did anything not perfectly on offenses, Brady was on the field a lot and scoring every time. They didn't have a lot of clock-chewing drives except for the first one and their last one, or their second-to-last one. The first drive was a great drive. It stalled, it stalled at the goal line, but seven minutes of the clock, they, they get a, a, a wild Eagles crowd uh, right into the game with a nice scoring drive. Well, let's go back to Malcolm Butler again because this is the big mystery of the game, and the Eagles came out and immediately attacked Eric Rowe. Uh, and Jordan Richards and Jonathan Batamosi. Malcolm Butler doesn't play a single snap. He played more snaps than any defensive player on the Patriots this season. Nobody can figure out exactly why he didn't play. There were some illness issues during the week, but that that showed up on the very first drive of the game. Yeah, there's for some backstory, he took a Patriots private plane by himself or a plane by himself and got to the team later in the week which now you look back at and you wonder was what was, was going what on, was going on yeah. with that. They, they said he was sick, uh, but he did wind up practicing later in the week. And I think, you know, to t- if we're going to talk about Butler now, probably the most telling quote after the game was Eric Rowe was asked about it. And he said, you know, was that the, the plan? You know, did you expect to, to replace Malcolm Butler? And he said that wasn't the plan. Well, and another telling quote. So, I don't know. I think he doesn't know what to say. Right. Yeah. Another telling quote was Malcolm Butler after the game saying that the team gave up on him. There's a quote. So, they, they gave up on me. F. That's the F word. <laughs> it is what it is. So that is going to and I know Erica Tamposi, the loose cannon, who's very emotional. She's a huge Patriots fan, upset about the outcome. Uh, I think there are a lot of people like Erica that right now are dealing with anger that how did our defense get completely butchered in this game and arguably uh, our top cornerback or our top two cornerback was benched for something that might maybe not the right time for that. We don't know what the true story is, but Belichick moves in mysterious ways. Doesn't sometimes. sound peaceful, though. It's, it's really interesting because I think back to the AFC Championship game a year ago, and I remember coming out of that locker room and asking another reporter, what was up with Malcolm Butler? Because he kind of seemed... Not that thrilled that they won the game, or just he had a he had a strange vibe about him. And you know, the reporter had said to me that that's kind of been his his deal all season, and that was a season ago where he wasn't happy necessarily with the team. I I don't know what was going on, but there was drama going on behind the scenes. And this guy who I have said on this podcast many times is my favorite Patriots player of the last decade. It is sad to see kind of like. One of the the author of one of the great play, Super Bowl moments ever, one of the great underdogs ever to have kind of this as the bookend for his Patriots career. It's pretty sad. Crazy. So they kick a field goal. The Patriots go right down the field. They kick a field goal, and then the first touchdown on the on the game comes on a bang, bang, bang. And again, what is going on with the Patriots defense right out of the gate? Three plays, seventy-seven yards. Nick Foles uh, in his first big money throw. Uh, of the game spots Alshon Jeffrey, who had a nice uh, first season in Philly, didn't he? Foles under center. Smith in motion on first down. Foles fakes. He's back. He steps up. He is going deep. And it is caught by Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown. So Jeffrey makes the uh, 34-yard touchdown catch. The extra point is no good. It goes wide right. Uh, So the first quarter ends with the Eagles up 9-3. 
That reminds me of two different two-play sequences in the first half where the Eagles hit them for big gains on back-to-back plays. And that, that was one of them. I mean, you hit them for 36 on a run, then you hit them, what was it, for 34 on a pass, something like that. And they did it again in a later drive. And it was like, it was like the, the play calling by Peter Olsen. It was like they were throwing combination punches. And the Patriots were always guessing wrong and kind of playing behind. And they would hit them with these two straight. You just don't see that. You know, it, that's not bend but don't break. That's just, you're just broken. You were asking a lot from this offense to come out and make big play after big play. And right away, you could tell that everyone was on the same page. The Eagles on third down were unbelievable, extending drives over and over. And it wasn't, it, they were the farthest thing from conservative. And they were the more balanced offense, I thought, out of the gate because they could run the ball well. Like Garrett Blunt and crew really had their way with New England. There were some huge holes they were running through. So right away, Foles had two big third down throws on that first, that first drive, and you could tell they were on. So 9-3, the, the Pats miss a field goal. And it comes on a, uh, a bad snap. Uh, they get deep in territory again. So the Patriots never had trouble moving the ball. Their quarterback threw for 500 yards. My God, Tom Brady. There is no, there's no such thing as a record book anymore for quarterbacks in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. <laughs> no. He has just put so much distance between himself and everyone. Uh, but they go straight down the field. And again, the, this is not the Patriots that we expect at this level. A bad snap. Gostowski gets in a tough spot where he has to stutter, and then he hits the upright with the kick, and there it is, Greg. I mean, that's that again. Is an, a Pats fan? I'm sure you're feeling like, oh, I can't leave points on the board uh, with the way my defense looks right. Yeah, now. they ended up giving away four points on special teams, uh, three there with the bad snap. I could say seven too when they eschewed a 52-yard field goal to throw a deep ball to Grunk down the sideline. That's another th- missed three points. In, in that moment, which Dan and I had a, had a great uh, <laughs> you know, view of because our friends at Sky Sports uh, welcomed all four of us down in two different uh, segments, and we were down there for that missed field goal, which had a great view of that miss. You know, we need to get our seats down there. That's we, what I was thinking. Well, that's, that, was, that was the big take. But it was beautiful to be uh, as part of their podcast. The play before that, though, was one of the big defensive plays in the, in the game. Rodney McLeod takes down Brandon Cooks one-on-one. Cooks has got to you know, make him miss. Yes, Instead, he, he tries to jump over him, and that's, that takes maybe seven points off the board. And even though the Eagles' defense was terrible, really, overall in this game, they did make three or four plays. And it's like sometimes that's what it comes down to. They, they, uh, their individuals, including McLeod on that play, made a couple big-time plays, and that was yeah. one of them. The Eagles then uh, get on the board again, a LeGarrette Blunt, uh, 21-yard touchdown run. They go for two uh, at this point. I thought that was an interesting move at the time. It seemed maybe early. Uh, they were at 15-3. They fail again. They, the one thing the Eagles failed on offense uh, in this game was two-point conversions. They failed mm. twice in addition to missing an extra point. I know, and I, and I called the missed extra point, and I had said that that was going to be the difference in a one-point Patriots <laughs> win. And at one point, it was 33-32 to 32 in the fourth quarter with a mixed extra point on the board. So far, I'm saying. So far, would you say, Greg, that I am um, being a class act so far? Like Some people would think I'd come on and be gloating. So far, total pro. Very classy. I, it's I been say. a fine day for all of that, yes. You, you're a classy guy. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> 15-6 now. A lot of backslapping on this episode. And, you, and so. you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, are the Patriots about to fall into a deep hole? But it never really happened that way. 15-6. After this point, it's kind of a back-and-forth affair. Um, uh, James White scores a rushing touchdown. Uh, and then the Eagles. 
the Eagles score again. They can't get a stop, and it happens in a very interesting way. Um, let me go back first and say this. There was a huge play, and we've referenced him twice, with Tom Brady, with the Patriots, and Josh McDaniels, and maybe, maybe his last game. Maybe. We'll see. we'll see. There's a report out there that McDaniels might not be ready to move on, and which would leave the Colts in a, a very bad way. Uh, but a huge play in which Tom Brady uh, was the intended receiver. And we have not heard from our boy, Scotty Zolak, yet. Uh, the, let's listen to the play in the second quarter in which Tom Brady uh, had a chance to score a touchdown with his legs and his hands. Snap to Brady. They give to James White. Pitches it back to Danny Amendola. He throws a lob to Brady. Off oh. his hands. Incomplete. The Patriots pull out a play from the 2015 game against the Eagles. Amendola throwing it to Brady. We didn't hear Zolak. He was just about to say something. I think something. he was probably, you know, Zolak probably was next level. He didn't speak for the next five evening. minutes, right. actually. I've heard, I've heard some, like, uh, inside uh, info that Zolak, very quiet in this game at, at certain stretches, certainly there extends. So the, the Patriots are unable to come through there. I think he's going in. I think he makes a couple guys miss. Well, he's I don't I know about that. He wasn't, he wasn't going in. He's out of close. bounds like two feet later. If he I think Brady thing. cost him six on the play. But this was this was an arena. <laughs> I used to cover the arena league for like one month when Tumble I worked break. at Roto World. And arena league games is all about getting like one your two stops. And there really were only like two stops by the Eagles all game. And so this, this miss ended up feeling like a huge mistake because it was one of those two stops. You say arena ball. I say Rocky Four. It's like there's no defense. Rocky's just like holding Drago with his left hand and punching him the whole time, and Drago's doing the same to Rocky. That's what this football game was. Yeah, so the, the, the Patriots miss an opportunity. Whether or not you think he's going to make some moves and get in the end zone, it's probably a 25-yard gain. Uh, calm down. Maybe he doesn't score a touchdown. The Patriots are set right up He's going right out there. of bounds after he Did you miss the, the scramble play when he had a 10-yard head start on Brandon Graham and he tracked him down touchdown. within a split second? I think, he I think he's got some uh, quick twitch. <laughs> because of all the uh, elastic bands. Anyway, so now Brady doesn't get it done with his hands. However, there's another quarterback. This, to me, was kind of the biggest play of the game on some level, at, or at least at this stage. Greg, you wrote about it uh, afterward, and it's up on NFL.com slash Rosenthal. Uh, the, the Eagles doing what other teams had failed to do against the Patriots in the big money spots. And this came on a fourth down. Uh, near, it was a long one, almost two yards late in the first half, and the the Eagles take out their bag of tricks to score another touchdown. Boom. Moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it, and the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick and it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Listen, a little razzle-dazzle by Doug Peterson. I mean, that's a painful thing to listen to for me for, for many reasons, but one of which is uh, Trey Burton threw that touchdown pass. Yeah, you got to get that, that right. But that was, Greg, Walla Walla onion hanger right there uh, <laughs> to, to involve your – to do a trick play because at, at three-point lead right there, I like that they went for it, but then they also said, we love our playbook and we're going to take one and stick it to Billy Boy. <laughs> and they did. That play was called Philly Special. Today I'm going to show you a little bit about growing huge onions. <laughs> and, and it took onions. And it took planning. It was a play they actually had in 
for the Minnesota game. So it's not like he suddenly saw Tom Brady drop a pass and they're like, ooh, I really want to stick it to the Patriots. Well, I like that narrative that's, better. That's what it was. By just like creating this play to you know mock them almost. It was a play they almost called against Minnesota. He says they stole it, essentially, from the Bears who ran it uh, on Alshon, Je- you know, Alshon Jeffrey's team a year ago. It worked for the Bears then. It worked for the Eagles here. And the most surprising thing I heard, I think, after the game about it was Burton saying, oh, when we do that in practice, you can throw the ball anywhere to Nick Foles because Nick Foles is so athletic, he'll catch it. doesn't matter if he's covered or if not, uh, he's going to make that play. And I'm like, like, really? Nick Foles? Is Jerry Rice out there? In the you episode? had a great tweet about that. I mean, it was a killer turn of events for New England because when New England scored James White's 26-yard run to go essentially put them down 15-12, and I turned to Wes and Greg and said, New England's winning this game. <laughs> yes, I just, did. I, and I and I have a pretty good record when I do that. I was way <laughs> off base this time. Although you also but said they scored too early. They scored too early because you gave the Eagles a little over two minutes, and the way these teams were both moving the ball, that's way too much time. And so to go cap off the first half with that, to go up 10 right before the half, I thought that was an absolute killer turn of events for New England. That was... Maybe the ballsiest Super Bowl call since Sean Payton's onside kick to start the third quarter Mm. in the Saints Super Bowl victory. And I can't say enough good things about this offensive coaching staff. Their creative play design, their timely play calling, and God, I hope as much as teams copycat against teams that win the Super Bowl, I hope so many more coaches become aggressive on fourth down in key situations like Doug Peterson has been Mm. all year even with his own, own announcers questioning him on it. And you're, you're, you're right. Like, that was maybe not even the gutsiest fourth down call or call that Peterson made in the game. I mean, I mean if you factor right. in crazy. the trick play nature of it. Yeah, no, the whole thing is crazy. I, I love that. And he said that throughout the week. His players all said that after the game, that pregame throughout the week, Frank Reich, his coach said it, said, we're going to be aggressive whether we're ahead, whether we're behind. Just expect it for 60 minutes. That's how we roll. So that made it 22 12. And even better, it happened so late in the quarter uh, that the Patriots were not able to do the thing they love to do, which is they love to bang you with a score right at the end of the half, then get the ball back, and then score again. And it's a move I do in Madden all the time. I think I learned it from Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. Or they learned it from you, potentially. No, but that's cool, too. I like that (laughs) idea. Um, So anyway, we're at halftime. Uh, Justin Timberlake comes out. I, I like to call it... And i got to be careful with my words because Tamposi's already on edge a little bit. She's on tilt. Mm. Uh, but I enjoyed the show. She's looking at me right now. I enjoyed the show. I thought it was workmanlike. Uh, he did an 11-song medley. Uh, I do have one hot take about it, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts about Timberlake at hand. Well, I mean, I came in with very little expectations because a lot of times these halftime shows – You watch them, and they look a little disheveled from the stadium itself, or at least for worse seated. Then you see it on television, and it's a completely different experience. I found out quickly that we had the the reverse, because I thought it was fantastic here, and I tweeted about, I thought thought Erica would have loved it, and immediately start getting peppered with tweets. I don't know what you watched, but that (laughs) is not what I saw at home, and I guess there were some technical issues, so maybe on TV it didn't play this well. I thought he knocked it out of the park from where we were. I mean, I don't think I'm the target audience, but I couldn't. Wes, I was next to Wes. Wes was doing football stuff. He was being a good football writer, not really paying attention. I could not have been more bored by the performance. 
which I wow. think you accurately described as workmanlike, which is not what I'm looking for in a Super Bowl halftime show. I, like fe- I feel like I have so many hot takes on the rest of the game that I should just leave the floor to you. Okay, to I, my, How am I the one defending the halftime show? I find no, that's no. probably the first time this has ever happened. I yeah. thought it was a good show, yeah. and I have my, my fire take is that everybody calm down with their big think pieces that are coming tomorrow about how Timberlake somehow disrespected Prince by honoring him in Minnesota, mm. where the dude was from. It's like, how dare you use a hologram? First of all, you know, grow up, Peter Pan. Know what it is. It's not a hologram. It was a projection, okay? So they did a projection that I thought was artfully done, and it called back to Prince's own legendary uh, halftime performance. But everybody needs something mm. to get fired up about on their little hot take machine. Nobody's happy unless they're offended. And then it's like, we already <laughs> we already had the Janet thing in the holster, and we're ready to do that. But let's get on them about honoring Prince. Is that where we are, society? Weren't we, weren't we expecting that to happen? We don't, yes. So we didn't want Prince honored in Minnesota? I, I is that's what you wanted? Well, apparently Prince had you know thrown some notable shade at JT. Was not a fan of him uh, throughout his career, and so the the Prince fans they got up and arms. So JT took down. the high road. No, here's all right. Here's my other hot take. If Beyonce did the same thing, everybody would have been like, genius. <laughs> She's done it again. <laughs> all right, that's the end of the halftime hot takes. We moved to the third quarter, and I thought it was very notable. We're talking at halftime. Before JT, I think, Greg, you and I remarked, where, where is Gronk in the first half? And clearly, clearly, it's a, you know, a 1950s football movie, and they got the big chalkboard, and it's just like throw to Gronk all the time. <laughs> right. Because the Patriots get the ball, they go right down the field, and they do this on the final play. Brady with his left foot forward surveys the defense, and he takes the snap from the gun. He backs up. He throws to the middle yeah. of the end zone. Touchdown, Gronkowski! And the Patriots strike first in the second half of Super Bowl 52. The unstoppable Rebel Force is back. <laughs> Eight plays. <laughs> Zolak, of course. Eight plays, 75 yards, two minutes, 45 seconds, Greg. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, uh, if they just throw it to Gronk every time, there's no way to lose the game because he was unstoppable on that drive. I mean, he was. He ended up with 116 yards, and he was a, their third leading receiver, which is ridiculous on its own. This is a game, and that drive reminded me of it, that you know, I'm never a big believer in momentum in general, but this is a game where you can absolutely say there's there's no momentum going on either way because every time the Patriots scored one of these, I'm like, ooh, like the, the, <laughs> you're you one know, of those people who don't believe momentum not, exists. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there's momentum something to there? it, but basically every time the Patriots yeah, you're scored too many analytics. Books. Every time the Patriots <laughs> scored, you're thinking, okay, <laughs> here we go, and then immediately the Eagles respond, and then immediately the Patriots respond, and then immediately the Eagles respond. Well, I think you started to sit, go away from the momentum argument to realize both of these defenses are hideous tonight. They are ultra awful this season. It was shocking that the Eagles couldn't rush Brady yeah, at let's, all. Especially let's talk about that for a second because that is what, in two weeks of hype. Uh, and we had conversations about it. Greg, you were steadfast about it, and it turns out you were right if you judge this game specifically, that as good as the Patriots did in terms of limiting points during the season, uh, they were still, especially in the last 12 weeks or so, they were still a team where you could move the ball on them, and they were helped a lot by how great the offense was and how often they had the ball. So you kind of... I wasn't, I guess, stunned. Well, 40 points maybe is, is pretty extreme. But wasn't stunned that the Eagles moved the ball. But the Eagles, uh, on defense, where was the push? Where was this fearsome pass rush? Didn't happen until the two-minute drill. Right. Well, that and was, then, that and was then, one play. Yep. Now they, they rushed him. 
I think three straight plays on the on the last time the Patriots had the ball, mm. and I think they ended up hitting him more times than any team's hit him all year. Mm. But it all happened late in the game. I was downstairs with the Eagles after, and Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, every one of them said, here's what we said on the sideline. It's going to take maybe the entire game, but we're going to get to him at some point. We have to come up with that one play. Because the way this thing was going, whoever made the mistake was going to lose. And that's what they said. That we'd have to make the Patriots get them into a situation where Brady, who tests to take too long to pass on one snap, we take him down. That's exactly it, what it happened. W- it, was, it was surprising to see the Patriots' offensive line win that battle against Philadelphia. I think it was... I, mean, I, would, I would assume they were pretty disappointed by the performance overall. I would have never... I would have never expected that. They are the first team in NFL history, regular season or postseason, to win a game they, when they gave up 600 yards. Amazing. I, I mean, I later in the game when the Patriots finally had taken the lead, I, I thought they were done at that point because it was like, that was the That's story right. of the said, game. You said you, you pulled me over at that point. And you were like, hey, I'm going to tell you how this goes. The Patriots pull it away. They're, they're pulling away in this game. This was six minutes left. He's like, it's and it's going to end up not being that close. You, but you should know me well enough by now. But that, that was a little bit. Tweaka, 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 tweaka. And Greg, Greg made a face like, eh, no. <laughs> I never felt I never felt good about this game. Um, so this is when the game kind of morphs into, and it did. I did remark to Greg as well. We were sitting not next to each other, but close to each other. Greg, not on my lap, as my original request was for this game. Uh, but it started to feel like, at a certain point, like that great Cardinals-Packers shootout a few years ago in the playoffs, uh, where nobody could stop anyone. And I don't know. Are you guys a fan of this type of game, like the crazy shootout? Because I kind of like the more tense affair where it's a little little more defensive-minded. Not no points, but I was a little was like, annoyed by the, like, the defenses tip- after a while. I would typically not want this all the time. I feel like there's all this emphasis on nonstop offense. I love the occasional strange like 7-6 to six game that feels shot out of a cannon from five decades ago. But tonight I enjoyed it because what we saw, and look, it had Brady ever pulled this out, it would have been another example of total magical artistry. But instead we got it from both quarterbacks. So it was perfect for a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I mean, it was a reminder. It is, it's obvious. It's a quarterback. It's a passing. It's an offensive league. I mean, if ever there was a sign of it, it's this game. Defense is secondary. It was action-packed. And if you like big plays and momentum swings and one team answering the other one, that was fun. You'd like to see better situational football. One team got clearly outcoached by the other because mm. the Patriots were mistake-ridden for the entire game. You're Ooh. dead right. I'd take a Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl. Like, that was, you know, there's enough offense, enough defense, and the, the good guys won. Yeah, I like, I like those Giants-Patriots Super Bowls, personally. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Gronk scores, and then it just becomes an Arena League game. The, the Eagles go 11 plays, 85 yards in five minutes. Corey Clement. That is the uh, turkey ball, right? The turkey shot. That was beautiful. That was threading the needle, yeah. And I want we should touch on this because I, I think uh, you had a good point on this, Greg. It seems like after the uh, Jesse, Jesse James touchdown was taken away in Pittsburgh uh, that helped give New England home field advantage in the playoffs, mm. that even though it's not allowed and it would be maybe uh, not something that they would ever admit to, but it feels like the catch rule shifted because that – catch by Clement. And it was a catch. Come on, let's calm down here. But that probably, under the letter of the law in the early Riveron era, is probably coming back, right? There were a couple moments, and I think we heard on Roger Goodell's press conference on last Wednesday during the week, 
that they want to start over from scratch with the catch rule. And that almost got the sense that it's already been sent out that we don't want any more crazy overturns. And if nothing else, it would have been crazy to overturn either of the Eagles' touchdowns. It was ridiculous that they even reviewed the Ertz one that long. Do the reviews seem ten times longer when you're in the stadium, by the way? I don't know. That one was I'm crazy. St- I'm still waiting for that the Rams-Falcons uh, call to be uh, made final <laughs> on the punt that hit somebody's leg. I don't think there's any doubt that Riveron got a talking to. Hmm. And it wasn't just Jesse James. It was the Kelvin Benjamin play against the Patriots where they overturned that one in the end zone. And it was a ridiculous overturn where you had to slow down frame by frame frame by frame, and they had two plays tonight where people thought they might be overturned, two huge plays for the Eagles. The catch rule definitely played a role in this game. You think Riveron got a rap on the knuckles? I do think so. (laughs) I love it. Like the indisputable evidence part of the rule, I think they went back to that, at least that if it's not totally obvious, don't change what's on the field. I do love the image of Riveron being sat in a wooden chair like an old Catholic school, and then Rod just rolls in with a, a ruler. Right on the knuckles. Get better. Meanwhile, they're, they are like are projecting critical tweets from Mike Pereira on the wall in front of them. They like make you read Riveron's those over and over. a pretty imposing guy. I don't know if you're going to wrap him on the knuckles with a little ruler and set him straight. And I, might, I, you know. I love Pereira. He's a, a Tito-slugging paisan. He got, loves Tito's. Uh, but, you know, when he's coming after the organization, and he used to have Riveron shop, I wonder if there's a little Pereira-Riveron heat. No, oh, sure. Ca- Landino criticized service. him, too. Dino Blandino? Well, you know, whatever. All right. Dino, Dino Fair enough. Dino is over, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Taking right. sh- right. Shots at Blandino in a big spot. A slight digression off the main storyline here. <laughs> so, yeah, so Clement, they, the, the call stands, and then, Greg, the Patriots go right down the field again. Chris Hogan scores a touchdown, and the third quarter ends. Yeah, boy. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to Hogan because near miss for the sizzler. 29 29-26 at the end of three quarters. And this is where I will get it. I will mention, shout out to the Patriots. You know I'm feeling in a good mood tonight uh, over the way things go. But just in general, the one thing I will give the Pats, every Super Bowl they're in, is a banger. This is another banger. That's we're, not a small thing. Yeah, we're going into the – so as annoying as it, as it is to deal 14-2 and two every year, and that's not a small thing, and then an easy AF, AFC playoff road and all that. Yes, it's been very that. difficult for you. I you mean – the, the trials and tribulations. Yeah, you're not going to believe it, Greg. It has been difficult to be a Jets fan during the <laughs> Patriots <laughs> dynasty. I think It actually a is a real yeah. thing. Uh, these games are always fun when they're in it, and it does – there's a certain added gravitas – when Brady's involved in Belichick. I am, I am going to be magnanimous on this one. Well, tonight, <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to call yourself magnanimous. I do it like once every four months. A lot months. of human growth <laughs> happening on this show tonight. You, I, you really got that sense tonight because it was such a heavy Eagles crowd, and you kind of just know that most of the country is rooting against the Patriots, that it does make the game a little more special, that the Patriots come out and they're getting booed. It almost feels like they're villains, that they're these indestructible villains. It adds a little bit to the game that you wouldn't have if it was a different team. Every single person with Patriots fatigue, which give me a break on that, is going to miss them when they're gone. You're going to miss them when they're gone because they give you instant classics in the Super Bowl every time they have raised the bar for Super Bowls. We're in the golden age of Super Bowls because of the Patriots. This is the best run by far, and we lived through some bad ones when we were younger. And the AFC not winning for, what, 14 straight years and a bunch of terrible blowouts. We've seen some crazy stuff. There's the difference, though, Wes. As you, you, you retired from the Bengals, so you are just a football fan. So the, the Patriots being involved and you just get all these great games, 
It makes sense that you're making that statement. But to somebody that is still invested in another team, especially one in the division, I will not miss the Patriots on their gun. Get out of my life. In fact, you could look at this game potentially as the beginning of the end, the funeral here in the Viking ship. It's just weird. Like <laughs> your team's your team's been out of the race. Yeah. For, your team's been out of the race for two months. The only thing that makes sense is to root for good football. Mm. I don't get that. This drive <laughs> endless personal narratives yeah. here. This drive to put a, a bow on this one was uh, a reminder. I think Josh McDaniels had an awesome game because I think there were a lot of throws that, especially on this drive, that I'm thinking in, that were not tough throws for Tom Brady. I think he played great. He made great decisions. He does so much before the snap. But this wasn't a game where he was required to make a bunch of crazy oh, uh, he completions. Had, he had, he had a share. bunch of receivers he, in stride down the field. He had a field. share, but he also had a few drives like this where it was it was not – he didn't need that much. There was guys wide open in the Eagles secondary. Um, all right. So the, the Eagles then make a massive mistake in their next possession in the fourth quarter. They don't score a touchdown. <laughs> and in this game, that's a fail because when they're unable, they're, a drive stalls, Jake Elliott hits a 42-yarder. Mm. They extend the lead again to six points. But now Tommy Boy is getting the ball down less than a touchdown. And, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? Bang, 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 bang. Ten plays, 75 yards, 447 capped by that man again, Gronk, uh, who makes a tremendous catch in the back corner of the end zone. Second and goal to go from the four. They've been running the ball well on this drive. Here we go. Defense hip-hop music. Pats this is unreal. are down what six. 9.26 to go in the fourth. This is like NBA jams. Hogan outside of Dorsett to the What's right. Gronkowski slot left inside of Amendola with White to the left of Brady. Amendola in motion left to Love right. To Balls on the too. left hash. Brady takes the snap. He backs up. A lob toward Gronkowski. Left. Reaches yeah. out. Extends. Makes the grab as he dives to the pylon. Touchdown, Patriots, as they tie Super Bowl 52. And big number 87 with a little shimmy with the hips. He's filling it. <laughs> it certainly is. And that was a great Gronk spike. And who knows, maybe the final Gronk spike, because after the game, Gronk said he needs to think about some stuff about his football, his football future. I guess the injuries, and he just suffered a, a concussion that maybe makes you think about these things. Uh, I'm sure a lot we would probably all agree he probably will be back, but that's another subplot for the Patriots going forward. But Gronk makes a great catch, an epic Gronk spike, and now the Patriots are ahead. I mean, that, that drive coming out of the second half is the reason why we know he's not retiring. It's just like that drive against the Steelers to win the game. No one else can do that. He's still on top of his mm. game. He's not walking away. Oh, Give me the, a break. Yeah, it's the rare offseason where he doesn't have like a five- or six-month rehab stint to deal with on top of the season. And I, I applaud uh, the Eagles' excitement in terms of the fans. We congratulate you know Colleen Wolf and John Gonzalez, two Eagles greats, having a great time out in the city of Minneapolis. <laughs> well, Eagles, great Eagles they're fans. They're great. They, they're the MVPs tonight. Uh, but can we calm down on playing the Rocky theme and the Rocky stuff on third downs? That was a little bit on my radar. I was like, what What game are we I mean, at? I they, saw a lot of uh, other people that aren't fans of the teams che- like tweeting about this, too. It's like, how are they getting the Eagles third down uh, Rocky music So let me on? get this Enough straight. This. We, we are not <laughs> suffering Patriots exhaustion, but we're already tired with the Eagles success. I'm just like, this is a neutral site game and yeah. we're showing Rocky on every third down. Seemed like a Philadelphia home game when you got Rocky playing. It did on feel key, like a home game. Down. strange. Well, it did, yeah, the fact there was like 39,000 Eagles fans also played in. But yes. I did enjoy some of Greg, who's, you know, staring down the barrel 40 now. Um, 
you had some great old man grumbles during this game. That one was one, <laughs> and that was fair. Your other one, I'll let you uh, explain it because I, I, I'll give you points on that one as well. I've got a year and a month till I'm 40 for the record. Uh, well, I would like, and I would just request, you know, the, the in-stadium entertainment <laughs> manager to give us uh, 30 seconds of quiet every once in a while to talk to your neighbor. Do we need... I love Cardi B. We don't need Cardi B in between every single play and and just whatever other entertainment they have in between every commercial. You couldn't at no point were they not playing insanely loud things at every second of the game. Your application has been accepted. And, and <laughs> you know, Scott Hansen of NFL Network, he's a pro. Right. But he's, they had he's like talking for two minutes. They had Give like a, a, break. Sh- a show. During the game that was on the loudspeaker, and Hanson's got a booming voice, and then it's like, bang, loud song, bang, right. sound effect, bang, Rocky clip. It's like, uh, uh, You're yeah. calling the Super Bowl a bit gaudy, a bit overproduced. <laughs> Love what I'm hearing from that. Dan it's and like, Greg on this issue. Right. It's like, this is not Tuesday night Wolves versus Bucks. <laughs> like, we don't need to generate crowd excitement. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> and while we're here, what's the deal with all this hip-hop music? That's not music. A singer, Frank Sinatra. That's music. Good luck getting Sinatra at this Super Bowl. Uh, all right. Or Eddie. Mark Brady, to our right, Shadow League figure. Uh, can we play some Sinatra? Is that cleared? No. He gave a no. Hard no. No Sinatra tonight. All right. Hard so, negative. This is, yes, 33-32. Uh, and that's when I said to Greg, oh, it's over. <laughs> the only way the Eagles win this game is if they manage to pull off what they did on that first drive and, and, but finish it out the way they needed to. Uh, so they needed to keep their own defense off the field because their defense had failed, had failed for 55 minutes of game time. And the Eagles then have the drive of the history of the franchise, uh, 14 plays, 75 yards, and most importantly, with Tom Brady unconscious and Gronk spiking and swiveling his hips and getting Zolak all fired up, seven minutes of game time, and it ends, most importantly, with this. Empty backfield. Four receivers right. Back goes Foles. Fires. Slam. Touchdown! Zach Ertz! An embarrassing performance by the Patriots' entire defense, especially their secondary I believe that was Devin McCourty who got burnt on that play. They Pro Football Focus had a tweet at halftime that they had missed more tackles in the first half than any game they've played since 2006 when they started tracking missed tackles. It was just an awfully coached game, I thought. The and Patriots were disappointing in their lack of fundamentals all around. That's why I do want to hear more and more about the Malcolm Butler situation because when whether or not he, whatever he did, you're ticketing him to start this game, and suddenly the other players say after that it was not the plan for him not to be on there. That throws things out of the loop. If suddenly one of us vanished today and wasn't doing the show and wasn't doing their job, it's like it kind of changes the whole afternoon. The biggest compliment I can give the Eagles is that they are so well coached that by the time you get to the end of this season with Nick Foles on our center, this drive encapsulated that, they look no different to me than when Carson Wentz was the quarterback. Yeah. That's good coaching. And, and I don't know if some of it was coaching, certainly. I think Eric Rowe, for instance, ended up playing pretty well. Patrick Chung goes out with an injury in the Eric second Rowe half. Eric Rowe did not play I think he well. he had a really good second half, I do. Yeah, uh, but the first half matters. Right. He got picked on. I, I think overall he, he made plays in 
Jeffrey made a couple plays against him too. But Batamosi and Jordan Richards, and you had certain matchups like Marquise Flowers on Corey Clement and different matchups that the Eagles offense was able to orchestrate was a great job by the coaches. But to me, it comes down to players. We talk about coaches so much. Those missed tackles are kind of on the Patriots players. And a lot of these plays, as much as the matchup was great, Foles on that drive was so great, and especially that fourth down play I, really stands out to me. I think that it's gotten overlooked just in the immediate aftermath. That took a lot of guts. They went for fourth and two at their own 45 with 550 more to More onions, more onions. Maybe yep. even more onions than the play on the goal line, if you think about it, because if you don't pick that up, the Patriots have the ball. They're in scoring position, and on that play, Trey Flowers gets immediate pressure. He hits Nick Foles. Foles moved in the pocket very well. He had great pocket Where movement throughout the game. Where did that come from? I don't know. He, he had it in the NFC Championship game, too, but he slides very subtly, completes a two-yard pass to Ertz, who beat Stefan Gilmore, who had an incredible game overall. And Gilmore, you could tell, was really upset after the play, and I thought about that. That was a really a game-changing play that Ertz wins that matchup and that Foles kind of makes the play on his own. Wasn't it a common-sense call by Peterson? As gutsy as it was on the surface, he knew what we all were seeing, that the Eagles, if they punt that ball away, they'd probably never get it back. So they really just had to get that fourth, fourth down. It was a had-to-have-it play, and the players, the players played. And that's been their, that was their mentality right. the whole game. It's super aggression. And the next play, the, I think it was the very next play after that, was where Foles is either on a sprint right or he's scrambling to his right, and he throws a gorgeous, like, pee on the move to Aguilar, who, who taps his toes and gets in before he goes out of bounds. Like, these are these were high-level plays he to had, win a Super Bowl. He had three money completions in a row on that drive. And, I mean, it, he did it all night. And, I, again, talking to Filippo, one thing he said, we just pound fundamentals. We talk about it every single day. And when they, and the one thing that he they coach well, that when you make a mistake, they quickly find a way with their quarterbacks to get over and just stress their fundamentals. And it sounds cheesy. It just sounds like coach speak, except we're watching Nick Foles do something that we really haven't seen since maybe Joe Flacco had that mm. magical January. Wes. Well, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so, you know, some people believe that Joe Namath sold his soul to the devil to win a Super Bowl and the Jets are still paying for it. Do you think that Nick Foles sold his soul? Because I know you were not expecting Foles to do it again in this setting, and now he just put together two of the best games in NFL playoff history. He seems to be a hyper-religious man, like on a Kirk Cousins level, so I would not assume that he sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> yeah, not sure the devil's involved. Uh, but right I do think he's about the best example we have yet of the fact that you cannot separate the quarterback from his coaching staff, surrounding talent, and the coaching staff's ability to instill the utmost confidence in a player with their play design, the RPOs, with their play calls, the, the timing of the play calls. And Nick Foles, we saw so many coaches give up on him. Chip Kelly gave up on him. Jeff Fisher gave up on him. Andy Reid didn't resign him with the Chiefs. I mean, they, there's a lot of coaching staffs that Nick Foles just didn't work well under. And he didn't always have the best talent, especially with the Rams. But on this team, I can't say enough about that coaching staff and really – I mean, Nick Foles made me eat crow a couple of times now. He, you got to give him all the credit in the world for how well he's played. Is he, the Foles-Wesleyan family line clash that seemed to be at the heart of all this? Mm. Is that solved at this point? Well, I don't, I don't know that he's ever going to be my favorite quarterback to watch, and I would suggest buyer beware for any team who thinks he's going to be want, like a guy to go trade for. He's under contract for next year. You're not getting Doug Peterson and John DeFilippo and Frank Reich along with him when you sign him or trade for him. I was thinking, I saw Carson Wentz in the locker room after the game. He kind of had like a, 
kind of like a weird look in his face. And it made me think, like, he was kind of, it kind of must be a surreal feeling for him to be the centerpiece of this best team in the NFC, go to the background, and then all of a sudden, fast forward to the winning locker room in the Super Bowl, and no one is going to say, ooh, who's starting next year? <laughs> Someone did to Alshon Jeffrey, right. actually, and he was like, come on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I understand it. If he had some, like, weird thoughts in his head, like, this is kind of a bittersweet moment because this, I, I might never get back to this moment with the team. And the, uh, the other guy did it. The understudy did it. Just, it's kind of a weird spot it, for him. Look at that Panthers team from a couple years ago. It shows you how hard it is to get back to these games. Even if you play at the level Wentz did this season, it doesn't mean the team's going to do what and they they're, do. And they're so close. You can tell Foles and Wentz, they really get along. And Foles is you know, more of a veteran than Wentz. And, and, and it still has to be so strange for Wentz because it's not his moment. Some guy was... He was the type of guy who was asking the same question at every player. And oh, his no. question was, how did Carson Wentz's leadership over the last three weeks like really help out? You know, you win the Super Bowl. And, and Trey Burton's answer was great. He was, like, was kind of like, uh, you know, Nick Foles just had one of the best games ever, man. That's the guy I'm talking about. Yeah. Kind of like he just didn't even want to entertain and it. it. it yeah, should, I hope that writer got his angle. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be said that Ertz's play, he caught the ball. Took two or three steps, lunged to the end zone, lost possession of the ball when he reached over the goal line. And especially, you know, poor souls like me are thinking, oh, the Pats are going to get a call here. But the old rap on the knuckles river on said, nope, that's a touchdown. It's not a Jesse James situation. They, uh, Gene Steratore, who had a nice game, uh, said he had possession. He began to, you know, move upfield. So once he dove, losing possession of the ball, okay, touchdown. No controversy. I like that mm. with zero evidence that anything has happened at all with Riveron, it's we simply have him in a place where he's like, catch, catch, catch. That's a catch, catch, catch. That's where it should be. Everybody gets a catch. And <laughs> the, the last thing, since this is the last time really Foles had the ball meaningfully and, and was throwing the ball, it is a great reminder of how uncertain all of this is. and I, what, it's, life? A, it's a point. Football. Oh. It's a point we, I, we hammer over and over on this podcast. But we had this big discussion, you know, a, a very vociferous debate when, Car- nice. when Carson Wentz got injured. And the debate was, can the Eagles possibly win a game or two in the playoffs with Nick Foles? Is that even humanly possible? And, like, for the most part, the idea was, like, no way can Nick Foles, could they even win a game with Nick Foles. And not only that, not only did they win a game or two, they won the Super Bowl in the greatest shootout in NFL history over one of the great, greatest offenses in NFL history. There's just nothing you I can mean, be it's, certain I mean, it's of. an argument to completely close shop on analyzing football. Well, so or, or maybe, maybe, sh- maybe we pipe down on that. Or shut up. Predictions. <laughs> predictions are tough. And then. No more predictions on this show. <laughs> 38 to 30. Ooh, speaking of predictions. Lock it up for the old Zeuser. Well, let me, I have a comment on that because <laughs> we got a little testy on the other show. Before we get into something where people deciding, because yes. we're tied now at the top. Oh, who who has it more based on this nonsense? This was, you called it. It went your way. We're going to take that trophy. We're going to saw it right down the middle. And I'll put half on your desk, half on mine. That's <laughs> Wait, how you this, solve this thing. This is a King Solomon riddle. You want to <laughs> saw it in half? I got to give it to Zeuser then. He loves the trophy more than you. He no, wants why to don't keep we, it intact. Why aren't, we well, the, why aren't we the co-champions? Why don't we just put it on the plate? That works too. All I'm, I'm trying, well, to, I'm trying to be magnanimous now and say that I, it was wrong for me to be testy on the other show about the whole thing. It is a parlor game. We have tied. It's how it ends. I'm happy for you and for me. All right. And Greg, your attempt to, to you know, completely 
scrap the whole thing and try not to win. You almost won, so you have to get better at throwing these kind of contests, please. Mm. <laughs> I, I tried to really scrap it with the old double lock. You guys were in on in on that at the time. And we look it forward to next season when Wes will be with us for the full season, uh, and he could be in it to the very end. So that's settled. Now the biggest play of the biggest defensive play in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, at least in the Super Bowl era. By the way, did we say that? They, I said at the very top of the show, this is Super Bowl 52 that we watched today. They never won the Super Bowl before. What a momentous moment for Philadelphia sports. I hope that city mm. uh, is going to be okay because it's going to yeah, be it's crazy. It's not looking like it so far, but yeah. So everyone thinks, everyone and their brother and their sister thinks Brady's going to take the ball, to down five, score the game-winning touchdown. But that is not what happens because the Eagles' defense and specifically that pass rush, which was so praised throughout the season and rightfully so, and then disappeared for 55 minutes, showed up when it mattered most deep in Patriots territory. Brady surveys the defense and takes the snap. Tom stands it. He loads up. He's hit. The ball's out. The ball's out. Philadelphia has it. Barnett comes away with the fumble. Tom Brady was hit from his right. Sure. Stunning, stunning because everyone thought Brady was going to go down the field, and instead, all of a sudden, the, the Eagles have the ball back, and they are now in the driver's seat for the Super Bowl. I mean, Eagles fans, Patriots fans, writers, the whole stadium knows that Tom Brady's the two minute master, that that's what he's built his career on, is making a science out of the two minute drill, and he didn't get a chance to lead it down the field. It threw very little fault of his own. He couldn't have possibly seen Brandon Graham coming on that play. Yeah, it came pretty quick. He would. I'm sure he would. You know, wish that he could have reacted a little quicker. He had such great protection all day that was just a normal four man rush. And sometimes it comes down to just one play. It's like okay, you had a bad defensive game, but Brandon Graham beat Shaq Mason on that play. Shaq Mason, maybe the best you know guard on the, on the Patriots. Graham rushing from the inside, maybe the best uh, pure pass rusher on the Eagles. He won that play, and that's like I, I'm happy for Graham. Just getting to know him very little over the last few weeks. Uh, a really likable guy on the team that I think everyone really loves, and for him to have that moment is pretty Well, special. he was downstairs, and his little baby, or actually like a three- or four-year-old little cute little girl, was singing her little version of Fly, Eagles, Fly, <laughs> and he was trying to answer questions about that play over and over. And what he did pound home was that they sought wherever they could one-on-one matchups, and that's exactly what happened. That is, if we kept getting one-on-one matches, we're going to finally take Brady down at some point. They just never lost faith that it would happen, and it happened at the most critical time in franchise history. The Eagles stayed aggressive. They ran the ball, made the Patriots use the timeout. Then they threw the ball, incomplete, kept the Patriots in business with a timeout, another run, and then I think kind of underrated Jake Elliott 46-yard field goal, not a gimme in that spot, and it's a difference between a five-point game and an eight-point game, and he drills it. So Elliott, who had a, had a fantastic rookie year, a guy that mm. came out of nowhere, uh, uh, finishes off his season uh, with a field goal to make it 41-33, and now the Pats have one more chance. Well, and the Pats end up blowing the kickoff yep. with that a, hurt. a terrible that return. That hurt bad. And you mentioned how big that kick was by Elliott. The Patriots would have had the ball. At, with 110 left at the 35. Instead, they have the ball at the 9 with 58 seconds left. And that's why, even though the Eagles deserve credit for getting pressure on Brady, at once you're at that point, 
I mean, that, that is an almost impossible situation with no timeouts. And one of the reasons they didn't have a timeout, they wasted a timeout early in the fourth quarter on a third down play where the, the ball was, the clock was stopped. And that was another kind of un-Belichick, un-Patriots-like mistake. And the play, Wes, you called it when it happened. But Brady's just like, give me the ball. Give me, let's get on the 25-yard line, give me the ball. Instead, they try to get cute with a trick play, and not only does it get brought down, at the nine, it costs you about, you know, eight, ten seconds. I think that's something I picked up from Romo at one point this year. He said, ask any veteran quarterback, and they'll say, don't do anything tricky on the kickoff. Don't dance around. Just give me the ball at the 25 and let me take it from there. Don't get me stuck with my back against the end zone. So Brady gets into a fourth and long situation, completes a pass, uh, gets the ball up around midfield, but now he has no timeouts, and the clock's against him. Nine seconds to play. Uh, he evades pressure. Uh, and let's hear the call one more time. This is from uh, the team Zolak, uh, W-E-E-I, the final play of Super Bowl 52. Tom takes the snap. He's pressured. He moves up. He slips the rush. He steps to his right. He loads up. He throws deep downfield. Rock is there at the goal line. Ball is up in the air. Batted around. And it's incomplete. And the Philadelphia Eagles, for the first time in their history, are Super Bowl champions. Uh oh. What is this place? They call it the New England. Why are the inhabitants so pleased with themselves? They are known as the people of the Zolak. Their loutish behavior is indigenous to the region. I see. I command you to destroy them all. As you wish, Lord. Lord? Yes. <laughs> How about them apples? I don't get your ref. Uh, goodwill hunting. <laughs> oh, okay. Yup. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Now destroy them. As you wish, Lord. No! Speaking of being pleased with yourself. <laughs> he held it for as long as he could. Had that one in the chamber and got to use it. What a beautiful Super Bowl Sunday it is. Mm. Recorded it thinking, probably won't be using this. We I, didn't know. I missed the Super Bowl post-Super uh, Bowl shows where we didn't have drops. I think it was good just the four of us talking. <laughs> mm. Those days are gone, my friend. Uh, so there you go. The Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. I went on the field after the game, and just as luck would have it, I ran into a good friend of ours, Colleen Wolf, with tears in her eyes, emotional, gave her a hug, and then I asked her if I could, you know, ask her a couple questions. I'm here on the field with a uh, teary-eyed Colleen Wolf. The Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Your thoughts? This is embarrassing, and I don't know what to say, but I just did a snow angel or a confetti angel on the field. And, oh, my God, as soon as they went, I just busted out ugly crying, and I don't even know what to do with myself right now. <laughs> where, does, where does this rank in the pantheon of sports moments for Colleen Wolf? Number one. Like, not even a question. This is the best. This is the Speak best time. day ever. That's ever happened. Ever. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um... I w would normally say go Eagles, but they won. This is crazy. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> that was a really nice moment with Connie. And then I'm walking off the field. Andrew Howard, who works on the third floor, a another good guy uh, and uh, Eagles fan, just standing with tears in his eyes. It's and been it's that long for deal. that team, that fan base. Yeah, I it's mean, ridiculous. It, it, I mean, 
and Eagles fans, some, some Eagles fans maybe aren't uh, sweethearts. But the ones that we know, especially in our company, good people that never got this moment, so you could see how it, how it affects them. There is, uh, John Gonzalez tweeted out, because he was at the game Who? with Colleen. Who? We, you know, the whole rigmarole. Yeah. We don't have the sound clip. You know no, we don't need it. No, need it. Yes. So their friend, though, Kristen John Ronald Sudden. Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American it. sports writer who's married to NFL media broadcaster talking. Colleen Wolf. John, who's We've a pharmacist, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. Sugden, their friend, one of Colleen's <laughs> friends from Philadelphia, he tweeted out this video, and I'm sure she, she couldn't be anything more than pleased that it's out there, but she just breaks down in tears uncontrollably. It's like when you see someone who hasn't seen their veteran husband or wife come back from, like, Afghanistan after four years. I mean... She utterly lost it. And it's like, I totally get it. We were talking about this downstairs, Dan, as Jets and Browns fans or any fan of any team that's never been there. You cannot imagine the feeling. No, I can't. And I said that to Colleen. I just, it would be amazing to just have this feeling. So I was happy for her. But it makes you think, hey, if it happens to the Eagles, maybe the Browns sure. one day. Why, of course. Why not? Why not? And that, that moment, listening to Colleen, was one of the best moments I think we've ever had in the history of this podcast. And it's one reason... <laughs> Uh, as a Patriots fan, we've had it pretty good, and I, I think uh, it, this loss will get more annoying. I'm sure personally after I like leave and see some see it in, you know during the week and think about nice. it. But Patriots have had enough. You know, I'd rather them have made it to their eighth Super Bowl and lose this one than not have made this game. And they and they got beat by a better team tonight, and the the Eagles fans deserve it and the Eagles this Eagles team deserved it and they get their they get their moment. I think the peak of sports and the peak of fandom is when they generate unbridled joy. And the Patriots weren't generating unbridled joy like to the extent that the Eagles winning their first Lombardi trophy would. All right boys, before we check in with our props, a quick word from our sponsor. Oh yeah, it's it's almost just for men's season. You know that guys. I'm gonna do a little experiment and it's going to be an innovative shampoo that I try. At least I hope it is. GX. Control GX. The first gray-reducing shampoo from Just, the, Just for Men. Just for Men helps men look their best so they can celebrate who they are, what they achieve, and how they feel. Just use as you would your regular mm. shampoo until you like what you see. Subtle, natural. This is ridiculous. Natural-looking <laughs> results. Shampoo in, rinse out, and move on. It's that easy. Most guys get the... I mean, I've never... It's almost 2 in the morning. Well, T- talking about the shampoo I'm going to use. For John, please. You're excited about it. Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks, and I'll find out soon enough. Anyway, yeah, you know everybody's excited about it. It's the Control <laughs> GX. Get 25% off using the code AROUND at ControlGX.com. That's the code AROUND to get 25% off Control mm. GX at ControlGX.com. That was a... An example of genuine method acting. I not only believe that you believe the message, I think it's, you know. And our listeners will come through. They'll just spend lots of money to help out us and our sponsors. Men, just for men. It's not women do not have to buy that product, according to the Unless they buy it for their men. Well, that's true. Unfortunately, based on at least the attendance at our, you know, meetup. We need. We could use a, a few more uh, lady listeners yeah. out there. I think the, it was all men. There. The only so, females were there, and we've seen this other meetups are are the wives and girlfriends that are unmercifully dra- dragged to the yeah. event and don't <laughs> so want to be wanna, there. We want to hear from our. I think we had listeners. one who was there of her own volition. Mm. What a sweet oh. woman she is. All right, let's go over the props. <laughs> we'll start with Chris Wessling. First, you went four and four for the game. Uh, Patriots score a first quarter touchdown. No, once again they've been in. Eight Super Bowls now, uh, five wins, three defeats. 
They have never scored a touchdown in the first quarter. To me, it's just custom, like, especially in this game where you needed to. I flew, flew too close to the sun. I should have just went with they'll break their streak <laughs> of not scoring at all in the first quarter. But I didn't think I could reel you guys no, in. No, with no, 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 no. It's a delicate balance. And I think it's just another example of bad coaching in New England. And maybe it's time for a change. Let's freshen things up in New England, please. Uh, also, you had your Al Michaels or Chris Collins will use the word goat when referencing Tom Brady. I didn't get any tweets other than jokey ones, and it didn't matter anyway because no one took you up on it. Right. That was <laughs> that was just a complete and utter dud. <laughs> Chris, all right. This one's from Mark Sessler, who went four and eight. Ouch. Ouch. Chris Hogan has 160-plus receiving yards. Uh, this one cost you four sandwiches. And you know what? He came close. At a halfway point, he had over 80 yards. I think he was about 130 in the third quarter. And then he had a drop, a costly drop, on the Patriots' last drive. That probably would have put him right on the cusp or over. But it didn't work out. Tough loss. I, I think that, you know. I'll live with it. It was a pretty good instinct because he only had 24 yards combined in the previous two games. And you, if you had just said, you know, 120, we probably would all take. Ultimately, that, I so. lost four sandwiches. Yeah. So it's absolutely the incorrect Brandon, production. And it was unfortunate that Brandon Cook's injury, I think, made Hogan an even bigger part of the game. It didn't work out. Here is your other prop. A play in Super Bowl 52 receives a nickname and tops the helmet catch. No, that didn't happen. Didn't happen. Cost you four more sandwiches. How about the fumble? A little reckless. <laughs> the fumble. <laughs> the Brady fumble. Is that an Ernest Biner you know. play? Yeah, it, that's been used. I think I lost that too. Yeah, How about Philly special? The mm. fourth and one uh, catch by Nick Foles. I don't think that counts. That's not getting But it has to top the helmet jack. That's catch. Nowhere, nowhere close. Greg Rosenthal, a 6-4 and four record. Nice really? job by Greg. Because you got Nick Foles throws for over 300 yards. Okay. In fact, this was the only one anyone got right. Oh, so, oh yeah. wow. We're terrible. Uh, Dan, we are awful. Mark, about those predictions. <laughs> Dan, Mark, and Wes all took you on on that. And, I believed in you, Nick Foles. <laughs> and, I uh, did. That's true. And if you just would have uh, had a more like logical second one, maybe you would have cleaned up. But you had, <laughs> yeah, that was just, Doug Peterson will fail on a terrible challenge, and that cost you four sandwiches. You believed in him too, huh? That was the donation. <laughs> you really you spit the bit on that one. Uh, the old Zeuser went five and six. Tom Brady wins Super Bowl MVP. Win Super Bowl MVP, you got the field. Close. Only Patrick took me on that, uh, and uh, he gets a sandwich there. I mean, he did throw for 500 yards. You know Dan's living well (laughs) when he doesn't even lose sandwiches on on that. (laughs) And uh, Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar combined for at least 160 yards. I believe it was very close. I think it was in the range of 150, uh, but I fell short. But you know what? I'm going to live with it because the Patriots lost the Super Bowl today. Not going to get too greedy. And finally, the big winner. 151 yards. Oh. Very close. The big winner, Kevin Patra, finishes 6-2. and two. Uh, Deion Lewis will have more rushing yards than LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajay. He lost two sandwiches there. And then... Dan Hansis will not break news post-game. <laughs> uh, I don't think I broke news as the lights go out at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's time for us to go. Uh, but I did get that exclusive with Connie Fox. But an exclusive is not the same as breaking news. I don't think anyone outside of this podcast is going to count that as news. Well, I lost wow. a sandwich here, so I'm, I'm in the business of trying to get you back into the conversation that you did break news somehow. <laughs> get something going here well, for me, please. Yeah, he does a great job, Nick Fortier. He has this one still open, so maybe he's waiting to see how we come down on it. So there you go. That's it. Another season, gentlemen, is in the books, if you could believe it. I think this is our fifth Super Bowl show, uh, the night of the Super Bowl. It's an honor working with you boys. 
isn't it a tradition that we do one big takeaway from the Super Bowl? Before you guys do one big yeah. takeaway, I have a, have a uh, presentation of sorts. Okay. What do you so, got? So while I get this, uh, hang on one second. You guys went over your, your locks. Yep. And we discussed before we left for uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. A potential trophy from the listeners that's going to be waiting for us in California, which it is. Right. But before we get that, we have one that I had specially made just for the winner, along with the proper engraving plate. So let me get it for you guys. Wow. What What is uh, Lindsay Fulton's got something cooking. Did you bring the saw for Mark to saw it in half? <laughs> <laughs> no, we resolved that one peacefully, as everyone is now aware. Lindsay now crawling under a table. Keeps her balance. Very impressive work. But now she's throwing a chair. Uh, a box uh, is being opened, and out comes. Look at this. Oh, a gorgeous. Whoa. Oh, wow. Around the NFL. That half. No. Lost they just that is, they gave it the mark. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a, and for the listeners, it is a gorgeous trophy. Mark, I'll let you hold on to it for now. This is beautiful. And maybe we'll take a photo with it. Uh, but a uh, lock trophy uh, that celebrates our first ever uh, full season. Uh, not the most successful season uh, in terms of success, but it was fun, as it always is on this podcast. So I might be feeling differently about that tie thing. This looks very good yeah, right here with it's my a, name engraved on it. It looks so. sexy. That's uh, one of the better-looking trophies I've seen. It's really nice job, Lindsay, and whoever else mm. was part of that. Thank yes. you. So there you go. Um, all right. I don't know. Do we have time? To, why don't we save our takeaways, Wes? Let me just throw in one real okay. quick. Here's what I've learned. The Patriots have taught us in their eight Super Bowl appearances. Same thing the Eagles taught us this year. NFL comes down to a few key plays in almost every single game. The key is to get there. The Eagles could have lost in the opening round of the playoffs against, or, or in the second round on Julio Jones's play. Yep. Legacies in New England are defined by a few plays in all of these games. The important thing is to get there eight times, and that's how you build your legacy. Mm. But this is another one that came down that's to true. just a few plays, and that's how you win in the NFL. That's how they got. That's how they got the buy. I mean that. That's why Carson Wentz is such a big part of it. I mean they put themselves in position. I don't know if Nick Foles is going to win three games on the road in the playoffs, but he won these two, and then he just scorched the Patriots. Just get there. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> All right, Greg still has not processed what happened today. I'm I'm looking forward to your your tape study when it really sets in. I'm definitely not doing any tape study of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are now going to go back and have one uh, maybe a couple more drinks of Fridays if they'll have us, and then we're going to get on a plane and and get out of town. It has been great. Uh, all the people that we met, the listeners uh, uh, here in Minneapolis, great people, friendly people. Mark, Minnesota, nice even. Yeah, I was mocked for suggesting that on the last show, and I, I'm sticking to it. I think they're mostly very kind from what we I can see. We all agree with you on that. No, 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 I was openly mocked. It was a bit of a showy moment by you. It was, no. and it didn't exactly, uh, it seemed a little bit fake on my part, so you're right. Uh, but no, everyone was really nice here, and uh, we, we enjoyed it a lot and enjoyed the stadium. This is a great facility, uh, but that's it. That's the 2017 season, if you'd believe it. Another one in the books for the Around the NFL podcast. So, until... Later this week, when we mark the off season begins, now it's you in Mexico with your legs up, and the big old daiquiri. And it's it's, it's coming. We're pit, we're I mean, officially past is... midway of the season. Would you agree? Okay, yeah, mark? I think we've got we've we've crossed that midway threshold at this point. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, we've done enough time here at the U.S. Bank Stadium. 
And that's it. Dan Hans is signing off for the Quiet Storm co-champion of the Lock Trophy, uh, the mailman, uh, the old boss, Lindsey Fulton, loose cannon, behind the glass, till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.